It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of The Table. My name is Jason Squires. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm excited about today as we kind of wrap up a month, our month talking about identifying and training future leaders, talking to a group of friends that I love these conversations. Um, Let's go around and kind of introduce everybody. Joe, why don't you kick us off? Sure. Um, Just honored to be here. Joe Hornis is my name. I was a worship director in Chicago at a large church there for many, many years and did a couple startup churches. And now I do online consulting and coaching for uh, worship leaders and worship ministries and thrilled to be here. Love it. How about you, Jason? Yeah, my name is Jason Harris. Great to be with you again. Um, I am a worship leader and executive pastor at Browncroft Community Church, um, which is in Rochester, New York. There I get to shepherd and walk with uh, just a, a great team of staff, volunteers, and just our church together. And so it's great to be with you. Now, you, you dropped that in there, the executive I pastor. I dropped that in there. You that have, is you a new thing. A new title moved, for you. It's, it's I exciting. have recently moved from worship director to executive pastor, where I get to better kind of lead and shepherd our entire staff or church and uh, kind of just help cast vision uh, for our church going forward. Love it. I love it. How about you, Andy? I'm Andy Baker. I'm in England, as we've been discussing already. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I uh, run uh, an organization uh, called Homegrown Worship. So we're helping kind of unearth and share new worship songs. Uh, I also mm-hmm. look after a platform called Rocket Fuel, helping people raise funds for new music projects and spend a lot of my time uh, when I'm not on holiday, which was last week uh, for a nice change. Um I spend a lot of time coaching and consulting people in the kind of creative, uh, entrepreneurial music space, and uh, just turned forty last week, so was off on holiday. And uh, we're me and my wife Emily are part of a church in uh, Cheltenham called Trinity, uh, and yeah, love love being involved there. Happy birthday! Happy Thanks. birthday! That's exciting. It's a big day. It it was we we actually on on my actual birthday we just drove home from Paris which was a long drive but mm-hmm. before that we were at Disneyland and before you know it's all it was all fun the kids loved it it was great. Oh, that's awesome. Did you take the tunnel under the under under the ocean? No, we we went conventionally over the ocean oh. in a ferry. Yeah, we 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 did the ferry and took the car. But yeah, I've, I've not actually done the the the, the tunnel. But it's got to be done. I don't, you know it's kind of. Uh, it's a good it's a good idea. It's a little bit quicker, but I think going over the water seems to make more sense, you know. I would agree more with fun that. anyway. Yes, I would, I would agree with that. I would too. agree over the water is a better better option. What about you, Darnisha? Hi, I'm Darnisha Taylor, and I've been doing ministry for a little bit. I'm not gonna say how long. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. It's a few few weeks. You're just a just month. A few weeks. Okay, just a couple years. A couple years. <laughs> we just do no, it in decades. Current- do it in decades <laughs> no i'm not even gonna do that <laughs> it's but currently i'm worship pastor at bay life church in brandon florida and i've had the opportunity of being worship pastor 
and a number of churches, uh, including Michigan, including California, uh, did some traveling ministry, a couple of uh, projects, uh, CD projects, worship albums. Um, so done quite a bit. I also teach, which is one of the reasons I am not going to be able to be here for the entire podcast, probably, because uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I run a, a music school here. And so wow. we're going to be teaching some private lessons up in up in this joint. So. I love it. So when Darnesha so just disappears, she did not run away. She's That's right. That's right. And Darnesha, what do you think? Crickets? Cr- you know, it's really <laughs> like, that's not, it's amazing. Hey, so this okay. month we're talking about, we're talking about identifying and training future leaders. Uh, last month, we talked about onboarding volunteers and kind of taking care of your people. And this month, kind of taking it to the next step to go, okay, how do I how do I see people and kind of help them grow, help them become leaders in their own in their own areas and in their own ministries or training worship leaders or just kind of training people for leadership and leadership as a stewardship. And um, which I think is important to remember and training future leaders is a responsibility that we have. Why? Why is it important? Let's just start with this. Why is it important to train future leaders? Let's ask the why question. Joe, you want to kick us off with that? <laughs> My first thought was, if you don't train future leaders, pretty soon you have no leaders left. And <laughs> that's pretty plain and simple. I mean, there's that's soon. That's, that's, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Wait, wait. But, I think I think Whitney said it best. I believe the children are the future. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> there you go. That's amazing. That's amazing. No, you know, one of the things that that uh, sometimes I think in the church, we raise the value of leadership so high, like we forget that every person on your team has given been given a spiritual gift and they all matter. And, and we, especially in the United States, love to raise leadership above all things. And, um, but so, so I want to be careful that we don't do that. But at the same time, one of the gifts of the people, some of the people around you is that they are gifted to lead, that they, they can organize people, they can build teams, they can, they, they can uh, pull details together and make something happen. And really our job, I think, as leaders for all of our folks is to figure out what are their gifts and empower them to use them mm-hmm. for the sake of the kingdom. And um and so whether their gift um, is hospitality or uh, prophecy or whatever it might be, um, but to identify who are the people around me that um, that can carry responsibility, that can lead others who people want to follow and who can do it with grace and, um, and love and humility and, um, and then, and then lead and accomplish the things around us, but it really is looking for the people around you and saying, who is God gifted um, with the gift of leadership that we can train and empower around us? I love it. What about you, Darnisha? What are you thinking? Well, I think if we don't uh, take time to do that, then we won't, we will no longer have ministries and organizations and churches that uh, hold to a value system that, is, is, in my opinion, a biblical value system. I mean, it talks about in the Bible how they took time to teach their children, here's what God has done. Mm-hmm. And that's part of our uh, assignment, I believe, is raising up by sharing the stories and sharing the testimonies and asking for that sharing to come back. Because 
hearing what God is doing in young people's lives or in people who are necessarily standing on a platform. Um, but the Lord has given a special, like Joe said, a special calling or anointing and um, is, is invaluable to the church and invaluable to the people of Christ. Um, as leaders, if we aren't careful to pay attention, then in my, again, my opinion is perhaps we, we have elevated ourselves too much mm-hmm. <laughs> that we can't see what God is doing. And so why is it important? I think it's important because it's important to God and he has done, he is doing things that we need to be paying attention to. Amen. Amen. Andy, you have some thoughts there? I have nothing, nothing. No, so to, I'm going to Whitney Houston songs again. Sorry. Um, <laughs> So uh, I've got a couple of things. I think. You were holding. You were holding on to that one. I did. Yeah, just there, there lay that one. That was there, that's there, good. There. There <laughs> Appreciate um, that. So, um, mm-hmm. I think I think raising up leaders. Um, for me, I, I'm quite a. I'm I'm a starter. I, I I like to get involved in the architectural and building kind of phases of things. And I think for me, um, I found as a leader, if, if I'm doing the maintenance, if I'm the person still trying to hold on to things and don't bring anyone else along on, if I don't bring anyone else along with me, I'm kind of stuck doing things that aren't, that I'm no good at the, the maintaining the kind of, you know, looking after things. And I think, um, I think there's something really amazing about that kind of journey of starting something, whether that's a, a worship team or a ministry or, a church or a business or an artistic project um, and getting it set up and then getting people alongside you. Cause not everyone is a starter. Not everyone is, is the architect. Not everyone is the initial builder. Uh, a lot of people feel much more at home and comfortable when things are set up and established. And I think, um, I think it's amazing when you, you think about the different gifts that God has given people within the church. And I think, I think that's one of the reasons to you know to raise leaders up because there are there are different types of leaders there are there are pioneers there are you know there are people who can who can continue work for for a long time and uh, so yeah I think there's there's so there's so many great examples in scripture you know as I'm sure we'll unpack a few a few different stories of you know how how God raised people up and and the lead, leaders are, are all different styles. You know, I don't think we should buy into academizing everyone to try and be the same. Uh, Cause if we look at the Bible, then they're, they're not all, they're not all the same kind of people. Jesus called very different people to, to follow him as disciples and raise them up in different ways with their own gifts and styles and personalities. So uh, it's a fascinating topic. I love it. Now, Jason, you have that your internship program that you're intentionally pouring yeah. into that at the church. Talk to us a little bit about um, why, why is that important? I mean, well, I mean, yeah, you have that internship think, program, but you're doing you know, it. So yeah, for us, it's all about the call of the church. The call of the church is go and make disciples yeah. and that making the making of disciples is core to what really our ministry is all about. Um, a lot of times we focus on the go, but sometimes we also have to stay, stay and make disciples uh, wherever God has placed you. And, you know, that shepherding is all about the process, about walking with people, about making. And a lot of times, especially as musicians, we think about the end product. 
the end product is a worship service or a new song or the product. But really, when we come to the church and about walking with people, it's all about the process, mm-hmm. about, about walking with people in, in their daily lives and see and speaking into them and seeing how God has gifted them and then making the best out of that and helping God raise them up. And so, um, I mean, it's a beautiful thing walking with different people. We have, you know, three interns right now that we're working with and they're all uniquely gifted and blessed. And, uh, it's amazing as we even get them together and talk to talking about their unique giftedness, uh, and the things that God has placed in them and their both personalities and, you know, even where they're at just on their spiritual walk, they're all over the map, but to be able to, as a leader speak into that to raise that up, to bring things to the forefront, to breathe things out of them. I think, you know, personally, I've had leaders that have breathed into me and even pulled things out of me that I didn't even know was there yet. Mm. And so we, as, you know, experienced leaders need to do the same to the next generation. And even the current generation, we always need people that are breathing into us and also pulling things out of us that they see in us, that God's doing that we might not even see yet. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So good. So good. Now, how do I, as a leader, create a space for leaders to rise up? So if I'm, if I'm going to be, uh, if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm driving down the road and I listen to this podcast going, that's great. I love it. I agree with you. I think that's that the, all those things are important on how to lead or how to, how to, uh, why it's important that we train people. Now give us the, how, how do I, how do I create a space for worship leaders, for leaders to rise up around and not, uh, you know, not, creating a culture where, you know, there's, it, that doesn't work. What, what, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, get out of the way. Just get out of the way. Let, <laughs> let them have, let them have a go. I think there's, there's often a tendency to get stuck on the first point of the square. I'm going to, I'm going to use uh, my good friend, Mike Breen's discipleship square here. The first point is, you, you know, you have to model it to people. You know, yeah. you have to show people how it's, how it's done. This is how Jesus discipled people. Mm-hmm. Um, as we see in scripture, First, he would perform a miracle and then he would next point two would would perform a miracle and invite the disciples to join in. You know, so we need to model it. We then need to invite people to join in. And the next stage is to allow people to do it and then watch and give them some feedback and some encouragement. As the disciples found when they couldn't quite cast out some of the demons, he gave them some advice and input. And then he's like. Right, I'm getting out of the way. I'm off. <laughs> you have a helper in the Holy Spirit, and that—that's kind. Of, I've, I always kind of come back to this discipleship square of those points of, I do it, I do it, you help, you do it, I help, mm-hmm. and then, you, you know, you're you're equipped to do that. And I think this is a really good. It's a really good kind of simple model, and I like it because it's quite. It's broken down into a phase that you can kind of think. Where am I on that square? Am I? Yeah. Am I still just doing it and only letting people help, or am I letting them do it? and helping and supporting them and i'm am i moving out of the way because ultimately that's got to be our aim as leaders to move away from being on the you know on the stage being 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 at the front but you know and and, and leading in different ways i love it i love it I think answer, you have a I would, there? yeah i do i was thinking of adding to that because in certain cases i think it's difficult the model is, per- I think that's exactly right. The model is exactly right. It can be difficult sometimes to find the people to start walking the model out. And sometimes I think we can get a little timid, at least in these days, timid in asking people to participate. 
uh, when you see something in them or you may not see something in them. You may just have, you may have to just like cast a net <laughs> and like, let's have all who will respond to come to this mm -hmm. invitation and then start uh, calling out those that you would invite to be a part of the process. I find this a lot in multicultural ministry where people are, they're verbally saying, hey, we really want you to be a part of what's going on. Um, or in cultures where like the women in ministry aren't really, they're only taught, you, you get to, sorry, that's our air conditioner. <laughs> um, <laughs> you get to teach the kids and you don't get to do anything else. There's something in the mindset to do that. But in fact, our churches are growing and flourishing and we're wanting, wanting to invite more people to the table. So we have to be willing to not only say it as a blanket statement, but to go and reach people and speak to them face to face and say, I see something in you. Mm. I would love to spend a little bit more time with you. Uh, would you be interested in participating uh, in this? So I would encourage not only to have that model, which I think is exactly right, but to do also like Jesus did. And he went and he said, you come and follow me. <laughs> I think mm. that's necessary in this day and age. Yeah, I, I want to dovetail off of that because I think the other part of this that can get involved sometimes is um, is that we also have to trust that as God calls us and to invest in others, he hasn't forgotten us, um, mm -hmm. that he has a plan for us. I mean, I think step one to, or at least one of the steps is to recognize who are the people God's put in front of us that could be mentored and developed as leaders. Mm -hmm. But step two is to go, God, if I work myself out of a job, do you still have me? And uh, you know, do you, and um, and I've just found every time that I've worked myself out of a job, every time I've found a young leader and poured into them and tried to mentor in, and develop them to step up, um, then it, it's like God goes, fine, now I got something new for you to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, But sometimes it can, if we don't, trust God with that process, we can hold back on develop other developing others because we're afraid we'll lose our place or we'll, you know, or somebody, what if somebody passes me up? And I think you have to develop a spirit that says, God's in charge of my life. Yep. My life is in his hands and I trust him with that. And if I can find somebody that he's created and gifted and I can pour into them in a way that they can use their gifts, I can trust God with what he wants to do with my life in the next step and um, and not be afraid to hand off leadership to somebody around me. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that we've all had that person at some point in our lives mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. leaders. Like if you think us. back of think back of your history, there's somebody that got out of the way for mm -hmm. you to thrive. And then as a, yep. as a young leader, I remember times, I mean, many times on stage where I, I would go like, I'm going to, even from just singing perspective going, I'm going to sing all these songs, even though I have a great line of vocalists next to me. And then as I've gotten older and lean and grown as a leader, realized I can, I want to hand off the responsibility to somebody who might be timid, but this is their moment to jump out in front and, you know, lead a song. And then all of a sudden we don't know what's going to grow out of kind of getting over that hurdle to be the one who's actually leading. And, you know, maybe they realize this is actually something I want to do. Um, I just am, I've been reading through a book by uh, Rich Stearns, who was, he was the president of World Vision. Um, he wrote a book called uh, Lead Like It Matters to God, which first of all, the mm -hmm. title just kind of slaps you. And um, I was reading through it. And in the book, he says, what God is accomplishing through you involves you, but does not depend on you. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it was like I literally I was driving down the road and I literally pulled the car over because mm-hmm. I was listening to the audiobook and I hit I hit back like 30 seconds. <laughs> and I was like, say that again. You know, and he's I mean, and I typed down I typed it out of my phone. I'm like, I need to remember that that it mm-hmm. what is what's 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 happening in ministry involves me, but doesn't depend on me. And, you know, and it doesn't need me, but like, and, um, but I'm just to be a part of the process. And so that's, uh, that, that one's, that one got me literally in this last couple of weeks, Mm. but Jason, you have some thoughts there? No, that's all so good. Yeah. I think what we've talked about, like living open handedly Mm. of being willing to receive what God puts in front of you, but also willing to accept and release what God wants to take away and provide to others. Uh, and so that he can give you more or something different. And I mm-hmm. think living in that way is, you know, hard, but it's knowing, okay, the Lord is faithful. Yep. The Lord provides and living in that place of trust, knowing that, you know, if, if you're a leader that is scared to let go, let go of some form of leadership or some kind of control, know that as you release it, the Lord will, will provide. Um, and so I think that's so, so important. And then from a, a raising others up, um, I think spaces, creating spaces mm. first, creating spaces to listen. I think Andy was talking about this a little bit, creating spaces to listen first and foremost, before you even get started, just listen to their heart, listen to what God might be doing, see things in them, then create spaces for training, create spaces where they can succeed and spaces where they can fail safely. Um, mm-hmm. I think failing safely and then providing the feedback and the spaces to try are is so important to not have it all like dialed in and and feel like okay I got it perfect because that's even a dangerous place to be. Yeah. Um, but the place where you can be like, hey, I'm gonna come beside you, and you know what? If you fail, all right, you've been working on this, but it's a safe space. And if we all all feel supported with each other, that's a great place to be. Uh, and then always having that space for feedback. I think we all need to be in some kind of relationship uh, with each other that we can both give and receive feedback mm-hmm. that we value, that we can talk through, um, because that's what makes us better. That's when we begin to see things that we never saw before. Yeah. Um, I love asking um, like our new interns when they start is, what do you see in our team? What do you see in our rhythms? What do you, what questions do you have? Because they begin to see before they become inundated with like our schedule and our procedures and our rhythms that we have dialed in. I want to hear what strikes you. Mm. What questions do you have before you learn all the things that might not be helpful? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, What questions do you have right at the get-go? What are you seeing that I can learn from? And that just starts that process of both giving and receiving feedback right away. Love it. Now, as um, does training have to be formal or can I train in the peripheral? Does that question make sense? Like if I'm, if I'm training up future leaders, does it have to be something that it's like I'm sitting down and, you know, having coffee with and talking through structures or is there a way as a leader, I can also train kind of in the peripheral. It talks that we talk a little bit about that in creating a culture of letting leaders rise up, but I wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were on on that. Kind of a might be a confusing question, but um Andy, does that <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. I think tra- training happens in all kinds of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, the model, as I kind of mentioned before, kind of modeling is such an important way to train because it's, it's hard to train people to do something that you're not doing yourself. It is, it is uh, potentially possible to do that, but I, I, I'm a great believer that, you know, people have different learning styles. Uh, you know, many people are visual learners, you know, so they're not going to do that well with a boring textbook style of learning. Um, some people just catch it by being around, but others need to understand the process. They need to see things broken down. So I, th I think it's really important to try to understand the different types of learners that there are like one of the one of the values we actually well the values that we have with our uh with our learning platform and consulting is is we created we created seven teachers uh and you know for the um for the sake of the 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 audio podcast people aren't going to, be able to I'm not, i can't show you the teachers uh in audio form but we have seven characters and they're all based around values the values are encouragement um education uh, enabling uh, entertainment, um, empathy, enforcement, getting people to actually do things, and then exploration. And so we we try and in, embed that into everything that we teach because if I'm all about enforcement, like do the job, get it done, you know, pull your socks up. If that's kind of my attitude and there's no empathy, things don't get done. But then if you're too soft empathetic and there's no enforcement perhaps things never get done people don't really get trained if there's no if it's not a you know if there's not that kind of follow follow up but we all need encouragement education we need a bit of fun and laughter along the way as well so so i use that those characters we've created with their values to always try and underpin um how we train because some people need more of each of those values yeah darnisha what are you thinking I was just like all into what Andy's saying. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. Um, yeah, repeat the the initial question for me, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Are you talking about does training happen have to be formal or can it happen in the peripheral? Okay, so I do believe it happens in the peripheral because I think everybody's going to be at a different level. You know, everybody's going to be at a different place. Yeah. And so, um, Working at, in church ministry, of course, we get the privilege of seeing a wide range of ages, right? And people from all different backgrounds and experiences. And so, you know, some of my youngers, it's like, okay, you're going to sit here and you're going to watch what the what the older kids do. <laughs> and tomorrow we're going to have you come up on the stage and you're going to model, you're going to uh, do what you saw them do. Um, so... I do believe that there's some observation that happens and even before formal training might happen. Um, yeah. So I think the, the basic, the simple answer to that is yes, it can happen peripherally and it can happen um, uh, informally. However, I think a good leader is still strategic in what mm. they're doing with whoever, whatever level of learning there is. So even if you, rec you, if you recognize this is informal training, as a leader, I should be able to see that and go, okay, so I want to make sure that I'm highlighting these things for the student that is less formal um, so that everybody is sort of developing in the same, um, with the same values, with the same uh, scope of understanding whether of, of your goal, of the goal, you know, of the ministry or what uh what you're trying to accomplish so yeah 
Love it. I love it. Now, Jason, you have the, you're, we kept coming, I keep talking about the internship program at your church. And you guys, I know that's like have built a culture of this at your church where you're always kind of in training mode and helping yeah. people grow. How does this come kind of come about with you guys? Yeah, you always have to be, you have to create as a culture. You have to be creating room for others. So that starts with the primary leader, but that also goes with your entire team. How do you make space? How do you make room um, for others? And I'm thinking about like circles of influence, circles of influence. You have often, even for Jesus, like he had the three closest, you know, disciples that walked within his inner circle. Then you had the 12 that he walked and talked with, but they were a little further but they were still a circle of influence. And then you had like the 72 or the 70 um, that were still his disciples and trained and he sent out, Um, but they were a little further out. And then you had the crowds that walked with him, but didn't get to see the inner parts. And so I think as we, you know, disciple others and as we walk with others, kind of using that as a model, know that you can't reach everybody all the time. Um, but you can be very intentional with who you can reach. And so with my team, I have, you know, about 12 lead volunteers. So I have my staff, they're kind of my inner circle when we talk about this type of ministry. Um, and then beyond that, we have our 12, you know, ish lead volunteers. And each of them has been charged with three or four volunteers. And their job for those volunteers is to lead and disciple those volunteers. Um, and so it's not just me cause they get, you know, a, a piece of me, they're in the 72, but they also have people that are lead volunteers that are trusted, that are connected to me pretty closely that are breathing into them. And so that's a way to kind of build the culture within your volunteer team, um, to then begin to raise them up because one, it's raising up the value of your lead volunteers. Mm. Now they're seeing themselves as leaders and they are tasked and even appointed to help make disciples, not just be the disciple, but help make disciples in your midst. And then the, the volunteers, the larger volunteer team know that not only are the staff breathing into them, but also the volunteers, the lead volunteers are breathing into them as well to provide that space, that opportunity of training. And then it breathes into the larger congregation. Um, to have that atmosphere, that culture of training, of raising people up, of walking with each other, not just so that we can have, you know, a great worship song, but that we can be growing disciples. And so, and that's really what we're all about. We want to be walking with Jesus and walking with each other. It's not really about, you know, how great we can sound on a Sunday morning or on the next album, but really how do we walk with each other in a life chasing after Jesus? And so that's our focus. And the outcome of that is, hey, we get to make music and we get to worship together, but the culture is really about how do we walk together in this life of faith? Love it. Joe, you have some thoughts there? Uh, yeah, I just wrote down a couple things, but uh, I had a prof in, in um, college used to say, there's no substitute for putting in your time. And, um, and it's just spending time together. And, and so you get to see the character, see the heart of the person you're working with, and they get to catch it from you. There's just, you know, I tried to, whenever I'm going to lunch or if I was going on a trip to speak somewhere or leading worship at a camp somewhere to take somebody with me all the time, you know, so that we're putting in time. And then whenever we could, and then to, we've talked about empowering the people around you, you be able to hand off leadership. And especially in worship leading, I think 
you know, you starts off, you go, well, you know, tell you what, I want you to sing the first verse of this song this time, and then we'll all come in. And then maybe it's eventually, I want you to sing the whole song. Maybe now I want you to lead the whole thing. Now I want you to do the comments that will set up that or the prayer that comes out of that. But I'll give you a little more, a little more, a little more. And each step along the way, we can give, I can give you feedback. And yep. you go, and if you go, well, that didn't go very well. Then we go, well, we'll stay on that step for a little bit until we get there. But then I think the importance of feedback not being criticism, but feedback being encouragement and learning. Go, all right, well, what'd we learn from that? You know, and, and what would be the next step? So there's encouragement and and love and empowering for people. And then um, the thing that I think we forget to do sometimes is just celebrate. And when mm -hmm. when we're mentoring somebody and we're handing off and they and they take that next step and it's and and they succeed and and you see god uh, you know the spirit just move through somebody to affirm it to celebrate it to cheer it on to not again not be threatened by somebody's success but to uh but to celebrate and and affirm those things as as people grow you guys i love this conversation i'm just i'm over here and we've all kind of said it in our own way but like i'm taking notes from what you each are saying and just kind of processing my own process as, mm -hmm. as you know, ministry happens and life happens in front of us. Um, so yeah, I love these conversations. Now, as we wrap up the podcast today, I always end with a food question and uh, <laughs> this is where we're at. So here's my food question for the day. Um, so you sit down for, for lunch or dinner and it's, you know, burgers and fries and a milkshake. Are you a dip your fries in your milkshake kind of person <laughs> or do you like to keep your salt and your sweet separate? Like, is that kind of Dude. Talk, talk me through this? Is this do you dip your fries in the milkshake? This is my question. It's important. It says a lot about the person if you do one or the other. And I won't tell you which side I think right now, but like Garnisha, what are you? What is your role? Do you dip the fry in the in the milkshake? Brother, or they... you know I am not dipping the fry in the milkshake. <laughs> you ruined I both. Had to, I had to, you, you ruined both. You, I, was, I don't know how to respond to this. I don't know. You so no, you, you don't do it. Do you, that. do you keep? I heard do you did that a couple years ago. I was like, I don't you, know. I can't feel that. I'm sorry. You, you haven't hung you, you haven't hung out with him since. Is that you? No. Like, <laughs> our friendship is they're ruined. Not, they're if, not my friend anymore. They're not. It's right. Friend. <laughs> it's right. No, actually, yeah. I will eat French fries no matter how they're. I, I just love French fries. So if I, mean, I have to dip it, I will dip it. But it's not my first preference. <laughs> okay. Okay. What about you, Joe? I, I think I got your answer from that. You're like, oh, yeah. No, no sense. Ruin both great things. <laughs> they're they're both sufficient on their own. Enjoy them on their own as they were intended to be. <laughs> now, are you saying this without trying it? Or are you just assuming <laughs> what it would be? Is this are we, are we assuming that it would be bad? Is this? No, I think I've tried it along the way somewhere. But no, that's, <laughs> that's not a habit I'm developed. Why develop bad habits in your life? <laughs> what about you, Jason? Now, I'm actually interested in what Andy thinks about this. Yes. Overseas. He's like, this is nuts. But, Me too. Yeah. But no, <laughs> I don't do this. This is this is not. No. No? But I do have a kid who has done this. Okay. And so, yeah. So and when it, we get like the Frosty and the fries, he is the kid that dips the, the fries in the Frosty. Wow. So you still own I him look as at a, him strangely, a child? But, okay. You know, I mean. I don't know what this is about my parenting. But Andy, <laughs> what do you think about this? Andy, help us out here. Andy, what do you. What do you. Uh, 
I just don't. I I don't understand. I'm still thinking about the the, the uh, deep fried pickles from last time we spoke. Um, I, I just think it's it's entirely wrong. First courses, first course pudding is pudding. Don't mix them up. Don't mix it up. This is yeah. you guys now. Now would, people. would you guys prefer a big plate full of food, or do you have to have your food separate too? Is this like Thanksgiving or or whatever, whatever the meal is? Are you are you piling food on top of? Or everything separate on the plate, everything comes in a separate. Rochester plate. is known for the thing called the garbage plate, and that's just all piled in. So I've been in Rochester long enough that the garbage I'm plate piler. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with things plate. touching. That's fine. okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just making sure I was seeing where we were at. But uh, <laughs> I love I love your guys's response. Every time I have a food question, it's always there's always like oh, or what does that even mean? Where do you come from? That um so i i love anyway this is awesome you guys thanks for hanging out today i know uh you guys right. appreciate it and i appreciate the yeah. your constant contribution to helping worship leaders be better this is just a good uh normal conversation and keeping those things going so i appreciate you guys and uh so thanks again and we will see everybody next week